So don't discount yourself. If you want to change the world, you have to first believe in your own power. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Wellness Digest. Today, we are going to be diving into the lovely topic of climate change. And when Tatum and I were trying to figure out what to do for this next episode, um, climate change was one of the ideas that she brought up. And I thought that it would be an amazing thing to address because personally, myself, even though I think of myself as educated about what is going on in the world, the environment, health, whatever. I still don't really understand climate change um, and feel a little bit helpless in the topic. So I thought that this would be a really good um, episode to dive into and learn from because I think that I am the norm. I feel like a lot of people don't understand climate change or actionably how to help. So we are going to do a little bit of a climate change 101, what you need to know, how you can make an impact, um, and hopefully leave you feeling a little bit more empowered about climate change. I'm really excited for this one. And I do think that you are right when you say that you're not alone in how you feel, because I think a lot of people feel that way around this issue. Um, because it is a very complex issue. Like it's, it's, one of those things that seems like this big looming problem that no one really knows what to do about it. Just as kind of like an average person, we feel like we don't have the power to change anything. Um, and so we kind of wanted to help our listeners make a little bit of a mindset shift around this topic. And just really quickly too, to kind of explain how this relates to health and wellness in general, um, if you've been here from the start, you heard me say on, I think it was our trailer or episode number one, one of those, when we introduced ourselves, kind of like what wellness means to us. And one of the things I've always said is um, that wellness encompasses your body, your mind, and the earth. Those are your three homes that you need to be nourishing in order to achieve full health and wellness. And so this is kind of our first episode of wellness digest. That's going to dive into that earth aspect. Um, we've touched on it lightly in some other episodes, but this is the first one where we're going to kind of tie it all together and really dive into how caring about the earth is really part of wellness because after all it's the place in which we live. So there is a current sense of urgency around climate change. If you haven't noticed, if you have social media, you've seen it. If you live in this world today, you know, climate change is a big issue right now. And the latest IPCC report says that we need action now. Some certain tipping points are coming sooner than later. And some impacts are already irreversible. It is code red for humanity, literally politicians, scientists are actually using those words code red for humanity. And the report also confirmed that humans are in fact the cause of climate change. And in my opinion, if we have the power to cause something, then we also have the power to solve it. So I think that that is a little bit of like a silver lining in all of this, mm -hmm. that while it is like this big, scary problem, um, we also have a lot of power to change the situation and create a better future for our earth. Yes, absolutely. I think that also kind of like this is sounding a lot like how we describe health. We feel like we're so out of control with our health. Why are these things happening? But we have so much power. We create our health. 
we can solve our health problems. Kind of the same with the earth and climate change. We are contributing to the problem, so we should be able to solve that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we wanted to start with some common misconceptions, myths, just things that I hear people say a lot about climate change um, to kind of set the stage for like, like going ahead and like getting those thoughts out of our brains that there's nothing we can do about this problem. And um, yeah, just kind of set the stage for a more positive tone. So Liv's going to read off some of those and then I'm going to give kind of my response to some of those misconceptions. So the first misconception is I'm not going to see change within my lifetime. So it doesn't really affect me. Yes. Okay. So my response to that is change is gradual. It does not happen overnight. So what that means is that every single little step taken on a daily basis, everything that you do accumulates over time and results in bigger change. So um, one thing I like to think about with this concept is aging. If you've ever had someone in your life who has obviously gotten older over the years, and then all of a sudden one day you look at them and they've got gray hair and wrinkles and it's like, wow, okay, my loved one is getting older. Like you finally like kind of realize like, wow, they've really, they've really aged. And it kind of hits a heartstring for you that someone that you love is getting older and aging and even yourself, you're aging by the day, but you don't necessarily see that happening in front of your eyes until you wake up one morning and you don't look so young anymore. That's what I mean by change is gradual. And by that, I also mean that the baby steps matter. So even if you might not see huge strides in climate change mitigation in your lifetime, the steps that you take right now are the steps that are going to determine change in the future. That is a great way to put it. Thank you. (laughs) The second one is I won't be alive anymore when things get really bad. So why should I care? Yeah. So unless you plan to die soon, (laughs) yes, things actually do have the potential to get really bad and already are getting really bad. Um, I think that one's just an outright misconception. I think that we've been told throughout our lifetime that like we have 50 years to fix this problem, or I don't know, it just, it's seemed so distant in the past. It's just seemed like it's so far away, but now is the time where it is actually here. Things are getting bad. Um, it is happening right now. So it is likely that you will see, um, harmful effects within your lifetime, to be honest with you. And also, even if that weren't the case, if you plan to have children at all, that is another reason why you should care, even though you might not see the damage during your lifetime. If you plan to have children, they certainly will. And to bring children into this earth, knowing that you didn't necessarily like do anything to make their future a little bit better would be a little sad, I think. Absolutely. I want my children to live in a beautiful world, have all the animals live normally. So yeah, yes. Misconception busted. (laughs) Number three is we always seem to find a solution. The experts will figure it out. Not my problem. Yeah. I think this one's kind of an easy one to think because it takes some of the accountability off of yourself. 
And that's always the easy way out, of course. Um, but experts can only do so much. They can only say we need change now and here's how we have to take action. They can come up with all of these really innovative ideas of how we can fix climate change. But unless average people like us actually implement their calls to action and choose to do differently, then nothing is going to change. So yes, there is hope. There are solutions but things don't just happen magically. Someone has to actually go and implement those solutions more than just someone. Lots and lots of people have to take those calls to action and actually do something with them. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, they can really only do so much. They're the ones that can give us the guidance, help us, guide us, give us the knowledge, but we are the majority of the number of people and have to take action. Yep. So the last one is something that I think, not that I've necessarily thought in my life, but it just, I think with climate change, it feels so big. Like we talked about in the beginning that I feel like a lot of people think this, what I do won't make a difference. Yeah. And that's something that I think is definitely very common because you you obviously are just one person. So you can live your whole life. Like, let's say just you take everybody else out of the equation. You're the only person who lives on this earth. You're doing everything right to mitigate climate change, just you. Obviously that's not going to make a huge dent in the problem, but the issue is that you're not the only one who thinks this. So if everyone who said this made a small change in their life, then the impact would be huge. One quote that I really like is that one vote does make a difference, but no vote doesn't. So it's better to give one vote than to give none at all. And then also this other quote I found from Instagram Um, that I really liked was what you do does make a difference because it reinforces your morals and beliefs. It reveals a sense of purpose. It raises self-awareness and it inspires other people to think critically about their actions. So Mm. you make a difference in more than just like seeing something change around this issue, seeing climate change decrease. Like that's not necessarily like the difference that you're making, but Um, It makes a difference in your own personal life because it is reinforcing things that you truly believe. It is giving yourself a sense of purpose, raising your self-awareness, and also inspiring other people around you. So if anything, you're doing that, even if you're not necessarily like solving climate change, you're still impacting the energy around you just by choosing to do something about it. Yeah. I feel like this is um, making me think of like the bystander effect and how everybody thinks somebody else will do it. So okay, this person will take care of it. This person will take care of it, but no, we have the amazing power to be the ones to take care of it. Yeah. So don't discount yourself. If you want to change the world, you have to first believe in your own power. (laughs) Okay. So Now let's get into kind of some of the logistics of climate change, global warming. I feel like, Liv, do you feel like you have a good definition of what climate change even means? Like what global warming is? Like, could you explain it to somebody? Absolutely not. Yeah. I feel like most people probably couldn't. And I think that that's part of the problem is it's really hard to get passionate and get like upset about an issue that you, when you don't really understand like the fundamental way it works. I feel like that's very like an important thing to go Mm -hmm. over here is like kind of the science behind like how global warming even happens in the first place, just to kind of get a little bit of an understanding of what it is. So basically energy comes from the sun down to earth in the form of light. 
and that energy is absorbed by the earth, which obviously warms it. Heat equals energy. Some of that energy is not absorbed though. So it radiates back into the atmosphere in the form of heat. So the sun shines down on the earth. Some of it gets absorbed into the ground and some of it radiates back. Um, some of that outgoing heat is trapped by the atmosphere, which is a good thing because that's what regulates temperatures within the natural boundaries that are ideal for living beings that have evolved and been created here on earth. So far, so good. That is a natural process. Some heat is supposed to be trapped. It's kind of like your body temperature. Like the earth also has a body temperature that regulates itself. Um, so it needs to trap some of that heat to kind of keep its temperature at certain levels. The problem is that humans have been rapidly polluting the atmosphere with emissions that trap heat even more. So these emissions literally thicken the atmosphere and make it really hard for heat to escape like it normally would. So think of it as like a really thick bubble being formed around the earth. So the heat that's getting radiated back is not getting absorbed into the atmosphere. It's just kind of hanging around, getting trapped inside this bubble and it's increasing temperatures much faster than it should. So when he gets trapped, the planet warms at much faster rates than it's supposed to. And these rates are outside of what living beings have evolved to tolerate. So it's literally getting too hot inside our bubble. That's why we have certain species in colder areas of the world that are literally dying because they cannot withstand mm. higher temperatures. Um, we're like basically like creating a sauna um, and a lot of living beings cannot tolerate these high temperatures. So some sources of these emissions that I'm talking about that make this really thick bubble and trap all of this heat are things you hear about all the time. Those are things like coal mining, airline transportation, oil production, the burning of forests, landfills, ground trans transportation, so like cars, trains, buses, all that stuff, industrial agriculture, and then other industrial processes like large factory plants. So basically the basic things that you can think of that people um, talk about as being contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. And so basically all of these increased emissions put Earth's energy equilibrium out of balance. So today we're at kind of this turning point where the energy leaving the atmosphere in the form of greenhouse gas emissions is greater than the amount of energy coming in from the sun. So we as humans are producing more emissions and creating more energy than we're getting energy from the sun. So we're out of balance at this point. And in the history of earth, this process would usually be able to regulate itself and go back into equilibrium. But um, we have reached a point where the earth simply cannot keep up. And that is kind of an overview of the problem and kind of how this has happened in the first place. I am imagining, first of all, this makes absolute sense to me. I had not no idea, but like I did not picture it like this in my head. I'm like picturing a bubble around the earth that just keeps getting clogged up with things. That's what's going through my head right now. So I understand that was very digestible, what it means, how it's happening. Again, I feel like I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I think someone could say, okay, yep, I hear that. Why should we care? Yeah. Okay. The almighty question, why should we care? 
So uh, first and foremost, like I said, in the history of Earth, this is a normal process. Global warming happens. The Earth does this to regulate its temperatures. That's why we have certain seasons. Like this is a normal process that happens. Um, the issue is that we are emitting so much that the earth cannot keep up and it cannot bring its temperatures back down to balance. Most life forms, um, other animals besides humans, insects, um, even bacteria, especially bacteria, um, are able to evolve and adapt in these conditions. Humans physically are not capable of adapting like other life forms are. So just outright one reason why you should care is that humans are like one of the main species that cannot survive the climate change crisis. So wow. that is reason number one, in my opinion. Um, the second reason that is that if you care about your health, then you should care about climate change. To put it simply, all things we need to survive, water, food, and air, are the very things that are taking the biggest hits from climate change. And this is all happening right now as we speak. There is no ticking timer. I feel like that is one thing that people think, oh, we have this long to figure it out, this long to figure it out. There's, there's no time, there's no time limit put on how much like time we have to figure this out. It is happening right now. And I saw um, this one article that described like just some of the impacts of climate change on human health. So if health is important to you, which if you're listening to this podcast, it probably is. Mm. I'm just going to give some examples of some ways in which climate change is literally impacting your health right now in this moment. First of all, extreme heat, heat waves live. I know you experienced one this summer in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Very unwell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a very healthy person, but extreme heat literally can create heat related illness and even death and a lot of heart problems as well. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also just severe weather events, natural disasters. Those obviously cause people to literally be, um, displaced from their homes. People get hurt in natural disasters. People die in natural disasters. People's homes are literally ruined. Um, air pollution can cause asthma, can also cause heart issues. This one actually was really interesting to me. Um, the increased temperatures have actually made um, insects that carry diseases more active. So mm. think about like mosquitoes, for example, like mosquitoes typically live in like really hot, humid weather, right? Um, this is like perfect environment for mosquitoes to thrive and mosquitoes, as most people know, carry some pretty nasty diseases and mosquitoes aren't the only insect that carry diseases either. So that is one way in which heat is impacting human health as well. It is actually increasing your chances of coming in contact with an insect that is carrying some type of disease. Yeah. And as we talked about in the root cause episode, not necessarily insects, but like underlying bacteria, viruses, those mm -hmm. things that a lot of insects do carry are the root cause for a lot of our health issues. So more of that going around is not what we need. Yeah. And like I said before, those smaller organisms are the ones that are actually able to adapt to this kind of stuff much faster mm -hmm. than we are. So they're adapting very rapidly. They're going to survive probably no matter what. And um, that is not good for us. Not good for yeah. us at all. 
So like you just said that the things that we need to survive water, food, air, obviously our podcast is very centered around food. How is climate change affecting food? Yes, climate change has a huge impact on the food industry. A lot of farmers are not able to adapt to the rising temperatures, to the more extreme weather, flooding, drought, natural disasters. I think one of the things that I see a lot, like with hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff, like when you see stuff like that happen on the news, like typically you see, you know, homes getting destroyed, which yes, that is very important, very disheartening. But like, you have to also think about like, entire like fields of crops Mm -hmm. are also getting wiped out. Like those are huge hits to our food supply um, as well. And that's not good because we need food to survive. Um, And then water as well. We are seeing rising sea levels. We are seeing um, more contaminated water. There's all kinds of contaminants in the air from greenhouse gas emissions, which also seep into our water systems. And so, um, that obviously has a big impact on our health as well, because clean drinking water is very important for good health. So those are just a few of the ways that climate change can be impacting your health literally right now as we speak. The third reason for why you should care, in my opinion, is just kind of like more of a moral reason. I believe that we were not put on this earth to mindlessly extract from it. We were meant to live in unison and harmony with all other living things. And I think humans are pretty much the only living beings that take more than they need. Like, I can't think of any other animal in the animal kingdom that does that. Yeah, I would say that's very accurate. And that's just very interesting to me. We seem to be at this point where we just feel so entitled. We assume everything belongs to us. And so I think that that is... Morally, if you want to be a good person, I just think that's another reason why you should care. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like when um, we were thinking of the myths, it's always like, oh, I don't care. Uh, not going to affect me. That screams entitlement to me. Mm-hmm. Like if you are not caring about these things that are going to affect other people that are going to affect future generations that are affecting animals. I mean, so many of us have dogs, cats. Those are not exactly the animals that are being effective technically today. But if you care about things, people, places, if you care about anything, you should care about climate change. Yeah, exactly. And you don't, you don't live in a bubble. Like you, everything that you do impacts somebody else. Like you don't just live without consequences, live without affecting other people. Like that's not how life works. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I want you to explain, um, Tatum was telling me like, we've used this analogy of a root cause versus a band-aid approach in a lot of our other health episodes. And she made an interesting analogy to it in regards to climate change. So tell us your thoughts. So can you just remind everybody like what the difference is between root cause and band-aid approach? Yeah. So I guess a band-aid approach, it's pretty easy to get from the name of Band-Aid instead of finding the actual root cause, finding what is actually causing the problem, the systemic problem um, in your body, in the earth, in anything. 
you slap a Band-Aid on it. So basically you can have a million Band-Aids on something and it is not going to fix or address the root cause. It is just a cover-up for symptoms and not really addressing root cause. And what you need to solve problems is to address the root cause. You can't solve a problem at its core by using Band-Aids. Yes, thank you. So I'm going to kind of make this analogy between climate change and solving health issues using a root cause approach. So climate change in this scenario is the diagnosis. That's what our world has been diagnosed with, a climate change crisis. The symptoms of that are things we talked about previously, rising sea levels, warming temperatures, more natural disasters, even increased food prices and supply chain shortages, um, that kind of stuff. So some examples of what would be a Band-Aid approach to solving this problem versus a root cause. I'll start with the Band-Aids first. Some examples of Band-Aid approaches that I actually see people doing very often, and this is not to discredit you or make you feel bad. This is just raising awareness about things that really don't make that much of an impact if you don't actually think about the way in which you do them. So the first thing that I can think of is recycling. Everybody thinks that like, oh, if I recycle, that's how I'm going to save the earth. Recycle, recycle, recycle. Yes, recycling is helpful, but only if you do your research about what is recyclable in your area. And for this podcast, I wrote a blog and one of the topics I wrote about was how to recycle properly because it actually differs in every single city in the United States. There are different recycling rules. And so what I can recycle here in Austin is not the same as what Liv can recycle in Seattle. And that to me is very confusing. I think that that's a whole other problem in and of itself. If you want people to recycle, it should be very simple, but you have to do your research there because what happens is if you recycle incorrectly, let's say you throw a plastic egg carton in the recycling bin, which is not recyclable everywhere, your recycling bin gets dumped into the recycling truck and then it goes to a facility to be sorted. If anything on that truck is not recyclable, all of it goes to the trash, all of it. I had no idea. And I'm just going to say that I'm going to go look this up after because I know I've probably done that and I did not realize the level that that affected. We all have. Yeah, we all do it because people think like, oh, plastic, recycle, cardboard, recycle. It's not that simple, sadly. And I'm happy to provide plenty of resources. If you're curious about how to recycle in your city, message me, tell me what city you live in. I will literally do the work for you and (laughs) tell you exactly what's recyclable in your area. Um, But that's how serious it is. Like people don't have time to sort through the recycling and fix it and put recycling here and trash here. No, they literally just dump the entire truckload into the landfill. It all goes to trash. Okay. That's just one, one example of a band-aid approach. The second one is buying from greenwashing companies. This is something I see a lot of people do, and I can't really blame you because marketing is very confusing. Companies like to say, oh, we're going green. Oh, we're environmentally friendly. Okay. What does that really mean? Like you have to actually do your research on the company because a lot of companies just say that and just implement these practices that like aren't really changing much, like not to hate on Starbucks, but Starbucks, for example, taking away straws and still using your your cup is still plastic. Like I don't, that's really not like doing a whole lot, but like Starbucks caught all this hype, like, oh, they don't use straws anymore. Like 
okay, cool. But like, is that really a sustainable solution? So um, that is the second one. Things like thinking electric cars are the solution. Yes, electric cars are great. Yes, they might show decreases in greenhouse gas emissions. Let's say everybody on this planet drove an electric car instead of a gas-powered car. Yes, I am sure we would see greenhouse gas emissions go down, but that would not solve climate change completely. So what I mean here by Band-Aid approaches is that it means much, much more than just simply saying you support a healthy planet. We have to actually do something about the reason why the planet is sick in the first place, aka address the root cause. So what would the root cause be? In my opinion, the root cause of climate change is disposability and need it now culture. And I'm going to describe what that means. Disposability culture is basically this idea that everything we own can be replaced. Something breaks, get a new one. You don't like something anymore, get a new one. Um, anything that you can think of that like you just throw away, don't think about where it goes. Um just this kind of mindset that we have that everything is replaceable. I can just go to the store and get another one. Then need it now culture is also that like impulse buying that we seem to have. Like just, we want the newest, best thing. We just are always inclined to consume, buy more, have more, that kind of thing. And it's, that's a very wasteful living approach that creates a lot, a lot of waste. And I feel like what we really, really need is a paradigm shift toward a more minimal lifestyle. Think about like if you just for a one for one week, for one week, if you just lived within your means, you didn't buy anything that you don't need. You didn't throw anything away unless it was literally broken or like actual trash. But um, just for one week, if you just lived comfortably with the things that you have and you did not go out and buy more of something like what would that look like it seems when you're saying it very doable but I think that that is so true that it is our culture I mean I am guilty of this wanting new things throwing something away if it's defective um so that's a very interesting way to think about it I've never thought about climate change as like a cultural issue almost yeah, well, it just, it, if you think about it, it's kind of the same concept. So like we live our lives thinking that everything we own is replaceable. It's kind of same thing with food. We've talked about this before. You go to the grocery store, you buy your food. You don't think about where it comes from. We just like kind of go through life mindlessly. We don't question things. We just assume that there's always going to be a, an abundance of everything around us. And at some point we are going to get to a point where like things are not in abundance, like that just th those kinds of things don't last forever. If we keep consuming and consuming and consuming at the level that we are right now. And that attitude is very similar to the idea that somebody else is going to do something about climate change. Mm -hmm. I don't have to take action. Other people are going to figure it out. And just this idea that like, um, everything will get figured out and no accountability for what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So I feel like one of the first places to start as I am listening to this is to 
shift your mindset around climate change, around how you live your life. So Mm -hmm. what can you do to start shifting your mindset around this topic? Yeah. So first of all, um, some examples of root cause approaches to this would be holding yourself accountable for the health of the planet that literally gives you life in the first place. Also understanding that this is not going to be an easy fix. This is going to require the restructuring of thought patterns, which is actually really hard to do. So you have to consciously choose to do it. Um, And then also move toward a more minimal way of living in which you don't take more than you need. Abundance is a mindset. So if you believe that you live in abundance, even though you don't have absolutely everything in the world that you want, you can still feel like you live in abundance. It is absolutely a mindset. And you can feel abundant in everything, just having basic needs. So how do we start shifting our mindset around this topic? The first thing that I think is really important to do to start shifting your mindset is to get in tune with how you actually feel about this issue, because emotions can really serve as a guide for what you should do next. So assess how you feel about it, sit with it, and then figure out what coping mechanisms you might need to move through those emotions and what actions you can take to help. So I'm just going to ask you, Liv, when you think about climate change and after this conversation that we've had, like what emotions do you feel around this issue? Mm, Okay. I feel like one, I feel like sad because... I see how big of issue this is and how we are contributing to it. But on the other aspect, I feel um, maybe like powerful is the word because I, um, I feel like through this conversation, I understand that I have more power than I thought because at the beginning of this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel helpless. Now I just feel sad, but like I have the power to change something. Yeah. Yeah. So um, here's a couple of examples of common, common emotions around this issue and kind of what you can do. If you feel stressed and overwhelmed, maybe you need to take some time to channel your energy into another activity. And then when you feel that you're ready, kind of map out some smaller, more manageable steps. So maybe your first step is simply just talking to a friend or a family member about the climate crisis, or maybe it is looking up a group or a network that you can join. Um, if you feel lonely and isolated, joining an organization is also another way to relieve that feeling, maybe getting involved with some type of support group that is working on changing their lifestyle. They're all out there, Facebook groups, like you name it. There are groups out there that are taking action on these kinds of things that you can literally become a part of and help hold yourself accountable. Um, Another feeling that I think is very common is feeling very distant from the issue and still like very removed from the issue and not feeling like it's like super personal, like it bothers you, but it still feels like very distant. I think that's one that a lot of people probably feel. And one thing that I would recommend for that is try just like reconnecting with nature, like be outside more, um, like maybe read a book about climate change, like do things that kind of start to actually immerse you in the actual environment and the issue to kind of get your brain thinking about it and maybe make it feel a little bit more personal. So after you've kind of assessed how you feel about the situation, the next step is to obviously take action. So the first thing I think that you can ask yourself is what brings you joy? What gives you life? What gets you up in the morning? 
in order to take action, it needs to be something that you're actually passionate about, something that brings you joy and like gets you excited. So that's the first thing. Think about the things in your life, the areas in your life that like really excite you. Like for live, it's obviously nutrition and health. That is something you're very passionate about. So maybe something, some action that you take could be related to that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's food and agriculture. And so when I typically do things surrounding climate action, it's usually associated with that. So find out what your passion is. Maybe you're really into fashion and you can look into the fashion industry and how that impacts climate change. And then the next thing is to think about what you're good at. What are your talents? What are your skills? Um, What resources do you have? What groups are you already a part of? Um, Like maybe there's something that you can do at work. Maybe there's something that you can do um, at school, like if you're still a college student, there's probably a group that you can join there. So like what groups are you already a part of and what talents do you kind of like bring to the table resources? Do you bring to the table that you could actually, um, use those tools to take action? And then the last thing is think about, what needs to be done in your immediate area? What is the work that is available directly to you? Um, Again, like I said, that might be something, a situation at work. Maybe like, maybe for example, like your work doesn't recycle. That's just one example, but you could ask your boss, I don't know, hey, do you think we could get maybe a recycling program in here so we could start recycling, something like that, thinking about your immediate environment and how you can make little changes within places that you already work or already go on a day-to-day basis. So it doesn't seem like this huge, huge task. Yeah. I think those are all great ways to start one, getting more in tune with yourself and what you care about, which is something that we've been preaching in every episode. And very actionable. I like how, um, you associated it with like doing things you love, like me figuring out how to, um, tie climate change to the things that I care about, nutrition, health, even the things like fashion, maybe seeing how the fashion industry affects it, shopping, more sustainable, blah, blah, blah brands. Um, when you tie something to a passion, it is so much more of an emotional driver for you to make a difference. So I think that that is a great starting point for people, literally no matter what you are interested in, the earth is affected and a component of it. So I think that this is very applicable to anything you care about. Yeah, for sure. We are all obviously living beings. Everything that we do every single day has the ability, just like our health, to either promote health and wellness or promote disease and sickness. It's the same thing with the environment in which we live. Every single action you take has the ability to make mother earth happy or make her cry. So quite literally, there is something, there's something out there that you can do. Um, So just to kind of like reiterate a few things that you can do right now. The first is to First step one, assess how you feel about the situation. What emotions do you have around the situation? Acknowledge that all of those emotions are absolutely normal. We are all feeling overwhelmed and stressed about this. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all in this together. And that again is the silver lining. Um, while this is a very serious issue, we created the problem. We have the answers as well. We have the power to fix it. So step two is to find an area in your life 
um, something that you are really passionate about that you can really dive into that one specific area of how climate change affects that area. And then start thinking of some ideas of things that you can do to advocate for climate change mitigation in that area of your life, something that you're already doing. So it doesn't have to be a whole lot of extra work. And then the third thing is really be conscious about shifting your mindset, like make it a daily habit to think about the things that you do and how they might be impacting the earth. Just simply start there by trying to have a little bit more consciousness um, around that and knowing that you you don't live in a bubble. Your actions affect other people. They affect your environment and change has got to start somewhere. Take responsibility and take some action. Yes. Well, Tatum, thank you for educating us on this very, very, very important topic. I hope that everybody thought that this was digestible like me, learned something and now feels empowered to go save Mother Earth. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week.